Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Well, it's, it's always great to be here with family. This is our home family. Uh, I'd love to be to worship with you and, and uh, fellowship with you. <clears throat> I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Father, I pray that uh, whatever I say is from you. Uh, give us ears to hear what it is you want to say. Anything that's not from you, Lord, help us to forget that. I thank you now for the thoughts and truths that you put in my heart. I pray that we'd be able to hear those and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, years ago, I knew an 80-year-old woman who had been in a state of resentment for decades, for decades, because she had been unable or unwilling to forgive someone. And I confess to you that there are times when it's hard for me to forgive. Um, I'm like um, 25 years ago, a man I thought was my best friend betrayed me. And that thought, that, uh, that comes to mind from time to time. And so I have to go back and say, Lord, I need to forgive that person. And that's one of the lessons that I hope will understand today is that forgiveness is something that needs to be ongoing with us. <clears throat> I'd like to start off with a passage from Matthew 18. Peter came to the Lord and he asked, Sir, how often shall I forgive a brother who sins against me seven times? And Jesus said, No. He said, Seventy times seven. And then Jesus gave this very important parable. Jesus told them, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him $10 million. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered him to be sold for the debt, also his wife and children and everything he had. But the man fell down before the king, his face in the dust, and said, Oh, sir, be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then the king was filled with pity for them and released him and forgave him his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a man who owed him $2,000, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. The man fell down before him and begged him to give him a little time. Be patient, and I will pay it, he pled. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt should be paid in full. Then the man's friends went to the king and told him what had happened. And the king called before him the man he had forgiven and said, You evil, wretched, evil-hearted, wretched man, here I forgave you all that tremendous debt just because you asked me to. Shouldn't you have forgiven and had mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to the torture chamber until he had paid every last penny. So shall my heavenly Father do to you if you refuse to truly forgive your brothers. A very sobering parable. I don't know if you remember that 10 years ago in the news, 
there was an account of a, a murder, a, a mass murder in Nichols Mine, Pennsylvania, in Amish, Lancaster County country. Uh, there was a little one-room schoolhouse, had about <clears throat> 25 people in it, including small uh, boys and girls and a few teachers. And a man named Charlie Roberts came into there, and he had a gun, and he ordered everyone out except for the little girls. And after a little while, he had those little girls line up face the wall, and he shot ten of them in the back of the head. When I remember, do you, anyone remember that, the news? I thought, how awful. It was just uh, incredible to think that someone would do that. <clears throat> well, it's interesting. I just was reading some accounts uh, in this little Amish schoolhouse and these little Amish girls uh, where we have a cottage up in the mountains. There's an Amish community and they're most precious looking little children. And I'm thinking about them. <clears throat> But here's the account of what the Amish community's response was. Oh, by the way, this Charlie Roberts, after he, he murdered those girls, he shot and killed himself. Well, here's, a, here's some of what the Amish community did in response. <clears throat> On the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer saying, we must not think of evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he's standing before a just God. The killer's family spokesman <clears throat> said an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family. Charlie Roberts was a killer. He comforted the Roberts family a few hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited and comforted Robert's widow, her parents, his parents, and his parents-in-law. Another Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms, reportedly for as long as an hour to comfort him. And the Amish also have an, a charitable fund that they set up for the family of the shooter. About 30 members of the Amish community extended, attended Robert's funeral, and Marie Roberts, the widow of the, uh, the shooter, she was one of the few outsiders who was invited to come to the funeral for one of the victims. So we have the parable. We've got the parable of the king and the man who refused to forgive. And we have the example of forgiveness extended by the Amish. Well, if you bear with me, I'd like to share with you seven points, seven important lessons about forgiveness. And don't get too worried because the first one takes longer, so it won't be seven times that many. <laughs> First, forgiveness is not optional for us. In Matthew chapter 6, we say part of the Lord's Prayer that we all know is give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And the Lord's Prayer, the, Jesus had a comment on that prayer. but He only had one comment 
about the prayer, and it was about forgiveness. And he said in verse 14, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. But on the other hand, we have the scripture that seems to say something different. In Colossians 2, 13, starting at 13, Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, and he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So we see that when Christ died on the cross, how many of our sins did he take? He took all our sins. And there were, <clears throat> all of our sins were in the future at that point, weren't they? But he took them all. Well, this raises a question for me then. Uh, as born-again children of God, all our sins were forgiven on the cross, past, present, and future, right? So how can it be then that God's forgiveness depends on our forgiving others? Does that seem like a puzzling question? Well, in other words, how can we reconcile all of our sins being forgiven versus only those sins forgiven when we forgive others? Well, I think this represents really two different situations, two different scenarios. First is this. If you are unwilling to forgive others, if you refuse to forgive others, then maybe you have never recognized the seriousness of your sin and our sin. The fact that the seriousness of our sin earns us a place in hell. So if that's true, if you've never recognized that, I beg you this morning, your first priority needs to be get right with God. To respond to that forgiveness. To see that the forgiveness as we sang about, Jesus paid it all. Accept that. The Bible says repent, turn away from trusting in yourself. Trust in him. And receive that forgiveness. Know the, the truth of that forgiveness in your own life. And then gratefully receive it and recognize that now you belong to Christ. That's the first scenario. Someone I believe who will refuse to forgive would be a strong indication that you've never been born again. The second scenario, though, is if you are born again, then the unforgiveness that we may feel it's not that we're, our sins are not forgiven, but that we don't bear the fruit of it. We don't have the fruit of that forgiveness in our life if we're withholding forgiveness from someone else. So in that case, we need to forgive others so that God's forgiveness can do its work in us that it needs to do. But in either case, there's no option. We have no option other than to forgive according to the Lord. First point, forgiveness is not optional to us. Second point, forgiveness is not natural to our flesh. My flesh doesn't want to forgive. It wants to get 
don't don't uh, what does it say? What is don't get even? Uh, don't get mad, get even. Uh, in Romans two, it says, "For when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them." So you see, forgiveness is not a part of the, un, of the unbeliever's natural response. They either self-condemnation self-condem- for themselves or others or excusing, saying, well, it, it really didn't matter. It's all right. But on the other hand, for the child of God, forgiveness uh, responding to hurts is different. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. What does that mean? Not counting their trespasses against him. That's the definition of forgiveness. And he has committed to us the word word of reconciliation. So when it talks about if anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. This newness includes for all believers a call to a ministry of reconciliation. And reconciliation is not possible without forgiveness. And that's part of our call as children of God. Forgiveness is not just one of the side issues. It is sort of in the core I think of forgiveness for us is is not only like food to nourish us, but it's also like medicine to heal us. And uh, that's why forgiveness is so important. Third point, forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiving is not excusing. You know, God cannot, has not, and never has excused sin. But God can forgive sin. Uh there was a, the lady I was talking to you about at the beginning who had that resentment for years and years. The reason that she could not forgive or would not forgive was that she confused the idea between forgiveness and excusing. In her mind, there was no, there was no excuse for that what this person had done to her. But she didn't recognize, uh, although I think sometime later she did finally, but at first, that that, for all those years, she didn't recognize that forgiving was not saying that what was done was okay. It was not excusing what was done, but she still needed to forgive. C.S. Lewis, you're waiting for that, right? <laughs> C.S. Lewis says there is all the difference in the world between forgiving and excusing. Forgiveness says, yes, you have done this thing, but I will not hold it against you. But if someone was not really to blame, then there is nothing to forgive. In that sense, forgiveness and excusing are almost opposites. In that sense, forgiving and excusing are almost opposites. Of course, in dozens of cases, either between God and man or between one person and another, there may be a measure of two. Part of what at first was seen to be the sins turns out to be truly no one's fault. And it is excused. The part that is left over is forgiven. Fourth point. 
Forgiving does not require forgetting. That may seem a little strange. We say forgive and forget. Well, there's a scripture that seems to indicate that we should forget. In Hebrews 10.17, it says, and, and God said, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, when it says God does not remember it, does that mean that God forget? Hmm. Can, die, can God forget anything? God is omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. So if he forgot something, then he doesn't know everything. But God is omniscient and he knows everything. So it's impossible for God to God to forget anything. Uh, the the answer here is that there's a difference between recall and remembrance. Difference between recalling something and remembering it. Now, in our everyday use, we use those to mean the same thing. But in the Bible, it has a different meaning. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received, and this is a passage when we take, receive communion. Uh, this is a passage we often refer to. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, what does that mean? And when we receive communion, I'm saying, oh, yeah, I forgot Jesus died for me. No, that's not what it, what does it mean to do it in remembrance of me? Remembrance of me, remembering that means that not only are we recalling it, but that we're applying that. We're thinking and applying the, the truth of that to our lives. So and likewise, when it says that God remembers our sins no more, it's not that he forgot them but he's not applying and holding them against us. Does that make sense? So that means that when I recall a hurt against me, like this friend who betrayed me, I can recall it and then I have a choice. Do I remember it or do I just, again, forgive that that happened? There's an Amish proverb that says this, forgiveness is not a matter of what we remember, but how we remember. Forgiveness is not a matter of what we remember, but how we remember. The fifth point, all of our sin against anyone is, first of all, a sin against God. King David wrote in Psalm 51, For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your works and blameless in your judgment. They said, against you only have I sinned. This is why Christ was able to uh, rightly forgive sin of other people while he was on earth. And you remember the story of the friends of the the lame man and they tore open the roof and they let him down in front of Christ. They wanted him to be healed. And it described in Luke chapter 6. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? And so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. Now, there's no indication at all that this man uh, in the flesh, in his in earthly life, had done anything personally against Jesus and his humanity. And so that's why the Pharisees were saying, wait a minute, you, you don't have any right to forgive him. It'd be like, uh, let's say if uh, John went up and he slapped Sam. I can't picture that, but let's say he said, <laughs> John went up and he slapped Sam and I come up and I say to, in front of Sam, I say to John, God, I forgive you for that. <laughs> uh, Sam might wonder, who do, what's going on here? But that's similar to that. Christ can forgive all our sins because as God, every sin against anyone is against him. Max Lucado said it well. He said, you will never forgive anyone else as much as God has forgiven you. I cut that out and put it in our refrigerator one time. You will never forgive anyone else as much as God has forgiven you. And remember that what he has forgiven us for, it not only includes the, the things that we've done wrong, but it also includes the, the good things that we should do that we didn't do. And it not only includes what we do or don't do, it includes our thoughts, includes our motives. And so all of these things are things that God has forgiven us. So God has forgiven us more than we can even imagine. And so that's the debt. That's the $10 million debt that we owe to the Lord. The sixth point is that we cannot forgive apart from a work of God. Now, there is forgiveness in the world. God, there's something called common grace. The Bible says the rain falls to the just and the unjust. And so God does give grace for a measure of forgiveness to people who are not his children. But that should be not just an occasional thing for a child of God. That should be our lifestyle. In Romans 8, 3 through 4, it says, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the spirit. For us to be able to walk in an attitude of forgiveness requires that we walk in a field of being filled with the Spirit. We cannot in our flesh do that. As I said earlier, I know what my flesh wants to do. Not get mad, but get even. And so it has to be the Spirit of God working in me to forgive. In Psalm 139, David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So grievous here would certainly include unforgiveness. And my unwillingness can block God's healing forgiveness in my own life. Lewis Smedes put it this way, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. That's why it's called freedom and forgiveness. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover 
that the prisoner was you. Some years ago, Jan and I went to a seminar locally of a, uh, given by a, a lecture given by a woman who was a Holocaust survivor. This woman was an uh, identical twin. They were, both, they were Jewish and they were taken to Auschwitz. And uh, the infamous Dr. Mengele did experiments. He thought, oh, I have two twins. They're genetically the same. And so he would do experiments on them. And one of them, he would inject one of them with some kind of poison and then, and then uh, inject the other with the same one. And then he would try some kind of a medication on one and not the other to see if, uh, if the medication would work to heal that disease. And this woman's twin sister died through these experiments. Well, she wrote a book called Forgiving Dr. Mengele. Interesting. Forgiving Dr. Mengele. And the, most of the Jewish community were very upset over that. said, how can you forgive him? And what were they confusing? They were confusing excusing versus forgiving. And she said she, it took her a long time. It was not easy, but she finally realized that she needed to forgive him so that she would set herself free, to be free of that, that bondage and that resentment and bitterness that had consumed her life. And so we see that they can forgive someone else is to set a prisoner free, and the prisoner can be yourself. And finally, point seven, you need to forgive yourself. First John 2, 1 says, My little children, I am writing things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What's another word for advocate? It's like a court term. It's a defense attorney. You know, <laughs> what better defense attorney could you have? Now, who's the accuser? The devil. In fact, one of his names means the accuser. So here's the defense attorney, Jesus Christ, or advocate, is saying not guilty, that has been paid for. If I do not forgive myself, I'm disagreeing with God. That's not a good idea. <laughs> if God has forgiven me, who am I to say no? My standard is higher than God's. I won't forgive myself. So we need to agree with our advocate. And one last thought here. What can I do to be free of, inf- of unforgiveness in my own experience, especially towards someone who's done something bad to me? Jesus Christ gives us the right advice. He says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. I found out in the past that when I had a hard time forgiving somebody, I want to try to forgive them, and it keeps coming up, and it, that hurt comes back. If I remember what Jesus said, I say, I start to pray for them. And I'm, the prayer is not, Lord, get them. <laughs> it's Lord, Lord, bless them. Work in their life in whatever it needs to be. But Lord, I give them to you. I, give them, I know that you're the judge. Uh, like the Amish man said, this man had a soul and a wife and a family, and he's standing before a just judge. And so one of the things that helps me uh, how to, to deal with forgiveness when those old hurts come up again is to first remember that God has given me far more. And two, I can uh, ask God bless him 
uh, I ask to put them in your hands, Lord. You work in their life and do what needs to be done for them. So to review, here are some thoughts I hope you can think of. And if, if you believe this is from the Lord, apply. Forgiveness is, is not an optional thing for us as redeemed, forgiven sinners. Forgiving is not natural to our flesh. Forgiving is not excusing. Forgiving does not require forgetting. All of our sins against anyone is, first of all, sin against God. We cannot forgive completely apart from the work of God. And you also need to forgive yourself. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.